Disclaimer: Opinion of host and guest do not represent the views of rehabilitation strategies and human movement. This is a general information which is not intended to replace your healthcare professional. Hey, welcome to Proactive Physio Podcast, Season Two. In Season Two, I'm going to discuss about the straight leg race. In previous two podcasts, you have listened about the movement perspective of SLR and the neurological perspective of an SLR. You can visit my website proactivephysionalist.com/podcast to listen the season one also. And don't forget to visit the shop section. In that, you can find a free download of my new ACL book. In this podcast. I am going to discuss about the systemic review of the SLR from the muscle activity perspective. So let's start with the today's podcast. The active straight leg raise is an important test in diagnosing pelvic girdle pain. It is difficult to understand what happens normally during the active straight leg raise. The active straight leg raise assesses the ability to transfer the load between the spine and the legs via the pelvis. So we can consider it the active straight leg raise works as a bridge to identify the dysfunction. in a lower limb clearly we need to improve our basic understanding of the active slr several studies have attend, attempted to symmetric and the stabilizing muscle activity from the asymmetric activity that is needed to raise the leg van atal did the study in 2001 and he said that the muscle activity during the active slr had a considerable inter individual variability as it revealed in the asymmetric index of the lateral abdominal muscles when subjects perform the same task repeatedly they are largely variation in the force production let us at all in 2002 they said that it has to be expected that different subjects use the different strategies to perform the slr nevertheless there are many significant results were found in the literature this suggesting that most results were large and related to the common mechanism underlying the active slr in earlier study u et al 2010 they state that during the active slr the psoas is involved in bilateral frontal plane stabilization of the lumbar spine and contralateral bicep femoris activity which was even larger in which weight that that was applied over the ankle joint and it serves to prevent the forward rotation of the ipsilateral ilium so from this study we understand that the forward pull of ipsilateral hip flexors and the backward pull of contralateral bicep femoris may balance of the pelvic so that no actual movement of the ilium would occur now talk about the contralateral bicep femoris muscle there are various literature from the early 90s to the 2010 the contralateral bicep femoris activity is the only useful if the two sides of the pelvis act as a single unit such as when they are pressed together by force closer the extension movement produced by the contralateral bicep femoris can be transferred towards the ipsilateral side the contralateral bicep femoris activity press the contralateral heel against the bench when you ask the patient to perform the slr the bills at all in 2009 as well as they did the study again in 2010 they confirmed and state that with more pressure when weight is added over the ankle joint the pressing down the contralateral heel will cause the pelvis to move upwards on that side and that is ipsilateral transverse plane rotation of the pelvis as reported by the levinson et al in 2009 now note that 
there is no reason to suspect that such rotation would challenge the lumbar spine stability. Nevertheless, it is an unwanted side effect and contralateral pelvic rotation as well as ipsilateral transverse abdominus and the internal oblique muscles activity which was again said by Hugh et al. in 2010 as well as Paul Hodges said the same statement in 2005 in their literature. It may counter this pelvis rotation towards the ipsilateral which did not measure the transverse abdominus muscle. But Bills et al. in 2010, they reported that to increase the ipsilateral intra internal oblique muscles activity when the weight was added over the ankle joint. This may suggest that concentrate on transverse abdominus and the internal oblique to prevent the pelvic rotation. The activity of the psoas major and the iliacus increase with increasing the hip flexion movement. However, the other muscles did not show any changes in the activity for all hip flexion position as the Yoshio et al. said in 2007. Yoshio et al. examined the cadaveric specimen to show that the psoas major is stabilizer of the femoral head at 15 degree of SLR and is estimated to produce the hip flexion at more than 45 degree of an SLR. Previous studies during the late 90s and 2015 using the fine wire electrodes for reported that the psoas major is activated during the deep hip flexion movement. Again, Anderson et al. in 2008 reported that il iliacus activity is greater with increased the hip flexion movement. Hirano et al. reported that the anterior fiber of an iliacus are activated more on an initial hip flexion. Further, the middle as well as the posterior fibers of the iliacus which runs in the craniocaudal direction and merged with the psoas major. It showed a similar working pattern to that of the psoas major. Thus, the activity pattern of psoas major and the iliacus during the SLR are similar. Again, the Mashahiryo et al. states that there is no significant increase in the activity of the rectus femoris sartorius or the TFL at any SLR position. They also state that similar to their finding, the results of the study by the Gironmaru showed that during the hip flexion, the activity of the sartorius and the TFL which significantly decreased because their muscle length shortened with increased hip flexion angle. Additionally, the activity of the rectus femoris did not change the significant irrespective of the hip flexion angle. So the change of torque generating the capacity of the hip muscles according to the hip joint angle which was done by the mathematical and model analysis by the Ogaya et al. Again, Ogaya stated that and he analyzed the flexion torque of hip generated by the surrounding hip muscles which is based on this on his study. The torque of hip increased by the action of the iliopsoas during the hip flexion greater than 30 degree whereas the peak torque of the rectus femoris was observed at the 20 degree of hip flexion. Blamker et al. reported that the movement arm of the psoas major and the iliacus were large at hip flexions in the range of 70 to 80 degree. In their study, Balcom et al. again said that the activity of psoas major and the iliacus were significantly larger at 60 degree of hip flexion than 
30 degree or the 45 degree. Consequently, we suggest that SLR at 60 degree hip flexion produce a large flexion torque by the action of psoas major and the iliacus. In present study, for constant hip flexion, there was a no significant change in activity of the psoas major and the iliacus during the SLR with addition of abduction and or external rotation. Based on the observation study by Kendon et al, he again stated that hip flexion with abduction and external rotation was appropriate for evaluating the strength of the psoas major because the lesser trochanter shift anteriorly as a result of the external rotation of the hip joint as well as muscle fiber of psoas major. The muscles fiber of psoas major runs straight for this position. The schemer et al reported that the psoas major work for pure flexion at the neutral hip abduction or an adduction position and worked for flexion and external rotation in hip abduction position. However, schemer results showed no significant difference between the 0 degree and the 20 degree of hip abduction or between 0 to 30 degree of hip external rotation in terms of maximum voluntary contraction percentage. The Kigi et al reported that the contribution of the psoas major to hip rotation and the abduction or an adduction is very much small. Therefore, the psoas major and the iliacus mainly work for hip flexion during the SLR whereas they contribute little to hip abduction and the hip external rotation. Kiger said that their result showed no significant increase in the activity of the rectus femoris, sartorius, the TFL at any SLR position. Now, the Nonaka et al. measured the maximum voluntary contraction of sartorius rectus femoris during the SLR with external rotation and he again reported that the maximum voluntary contraction of these muscles showed no significant change with increasing in external rotation. So from these two literature, I conclude that along with adding of the external rotation by doing the SLR, there is no significant change in muscles activation. So we must concentrate on the basic fundamental movement pattern to perform the SLR. Again, in Juker et al, he again studied for the psoas muscles activity in wide variety of tasks and the muscles was found to be most active in standing position when raising the ipsilateral knee and flexion of the hip joint while upper leg was pushed down with the hands. So he was talking about the hand to knee gait as well as in a striped stance position. In the frontal plane, psoas can be used for the lateral stabilization and the bilateral psoas activation appears to work as a guy wire like in stabilizing of the spine as it were um, it were like a mast of a ship. In the sagittal plane, if you consider the psoas muscles, it might contribute in to the regulation of the lumbar lordosis. And in the transverse plane, the role in the spinal stabilization is dependent upon the exact parameters of the task which was performed by the individual or an athlete. So now there are many controversies are going on for the psoas major as well as the iliacus muscles activity. Every, every researcher has their own thought depending on the demographic criteria of the... Now from all the literature and the systemic review, what are the clinical implications? How we have to implicate this information into our clinical practice. The functional role of psoas major and iliacus are important for the SLR because the activities of the psoas major and the iliacus were significantly greater 
as the hip flexion increased in contrast the activity of the other muscles were sick were limited and it was not depended on the hip flexion again some researchers suggested that the subjects with full passive slr motion who cannot perform the active slr up to 60 degree have a weakness in psoas major and the iliacus so in summary i would like to conclude all the literature the slr consists of ipsilateral hip flexion a contralateral hip extension movement force closure by the lateral abdominal wall muscles the sagittal plane it works as a pelvic stabilization by the abdominal wall and the activity of contralateral transverse plane rotators of the pelvis muscles i hope you gain a very good insight about the active straight leg raise be sure to visit my website proactivephysiology.com if you like this podcast give us a feedback you can send us an email to us or in the form of feedback you can refer this podcast to your friend have a nice day see you